Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, a podcast for women who want to find a better way to hormonal health. I'm your host, Gemma Barry, an ex-nurse, period activist, comedian and herbalist. You might think that's a strange combination, but I wouldn't be where I am without those skills, let me tell you. Be ready for health tips and banter, no filter talking, belly laughs, and most importantly, finding your map so you aren't lost in menstruation. This is the stuff you wish you'd known years ago, but it's never too late. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Lost in Menstruation. Today I am joined by the wonderful Colleen Cheatham Gerard, who is a fellow comedian um, that I've had the pleasure of uh, gigging with um, and really enjoyed your stuff. Hi, Colleen, how are you, my love? I'm very well. Hi, Gemma. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for um, joining the Lost in Menstruation family and coming in here to discuss all period problems. <laughs> it is It is my absolute pleasure to be here. I'm <laughs> on my period right now, which is, you'll oh, find that... out, quite a rare occasion. So it, it's a privilege, really. <laughs> I do feel very privileged about that, actually. You are bleeding on it. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I ask all my comedian guests how you kind of started out in comedy because it's always a bit of a good story this one. So for comedy what basically happened is um, I have a day job that is fine um, but I wanted to do something a bit more fun in the evenings and I started going to see a lot of live comedy and then once I was looking up um, at Angel Comedy in London, uh, what they had on, and I saw that one of the things on their calendar was a stand-up comedy course. And because I'm a nerd, my brain went, you can do a course? <laughs> and I was very excited about that. Um, and then I squirreled it in the back of my head for three months, didn't whisper a word to anybody. And then I got very drunk on New Year's Eve and went, I'm going to do a stand-up comedy course. <laughs> yeah. So uh, did signed up for a course, ended up doing it in like the September because I procrastinated because that's my other major life skill. And um, at the end of the course, there is, which is quite common, there was like a comedy showcase, and it was like this big rowdy room with eighty people who were all really on side with all of us because we were all new comedians. And I got on stage, I got my first laugh, and I went, "Oh, this is what I'm meant to have done with my life." <laughs> so, um, so that's what I've been doing now for oh goodness me, uh, nearly two. It'll be two years uh, this October since I got up on stage for the first time. Nice. So yeah. So well, I, I'm not exactly professional, but we're trying our best. Yeah, no, you're pretty damn fine from what I can tell of what I've seen. Um, it's really, I wonder actually how these podcasts will fare for um, comedy courses because so many people have done them. I wonder if people are listening going, do you know what? I reckon I'll do a comedy course. Uh, and all of it involves booze and that kind of snap decision to sign up before you can overthink it and talk yourself out of it. <laughs> Everybody either does it because it's some kind of midlife crisis or because of alcohol or one guy I did it with was because he'd, um, he was a problem gambler and I quote here, I need something to give me a thrill. <laughs> there you go. Brilliant. A couple of uh, people on the course that I did um, got signed up by their partners um, as a, like, a gift. So yeah, that was, that was quite interesting. But um, yeah, that first laugh... Uh, like once you can kind of feel your legs when you've walked out on stage is is priceless feeling 
<laughs> heck of a feeling best one in the world I uh, can't wait to get back on stage and actually hear it live again so. oh I know I know it's so good and actually sit in an audience and hear other people as well you know yes yeah that's the flip side I would normally just have spent all July going to Edinburgh previews and I'm just really upset I've not got to do that this year so I know, I know. it's so sad um yeah oh anyway it will be back it will be back it will so you have um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, would you be able to explain to our listeners a little bit about that? Um, I can. It's uh, an incredibly common thing. They think about one in 10 women have it. Um, but as is traditional for many uh, female uh, conditions, uh, we don't know very much about it. Um, <laughs> because the patriarchy isn't real at all. Um, but <laughs> basically it is a, um, despite the name, it is the polycystic ovaries. It, they're not technically cysts and it's not actually an ovary problem. It is a hormonal problem. Yeah. Um, and the sort of three symptoms, as in like that you have to have at least two of the three to have, uh, I'll call it PCOS just because it's quicker to say, yeah. is uh, you need irregular periods um you need to have higher levels of um androgen which is male hormones mm -hmm. and finally you have to have uh, what they're calling polycystic ovaries they're not actually cysts they're like little follicles that pop out your ovaries um yeah. i have all three uh, because i am an overachiever so <laughs> exactly so really went for it on the diagnosis um so that is what that is um the symptoms um so to speak are either irregular periods or no periods at all um yeah. some people as well have very very painful periods when they do have them um excessive hair growth um is a common side effect but also on the flip side you also get thinning hair on your head um because it gets you coming and going uh, weight gain is a very very common symptom as well as is adult acne so it's um super fun um, and it does have a link to type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure, but they don't quite know why yet. They think it's something to do with insulin. Yeah. It's quite the riot, isn't it, of, of uh, you know, just amazing things that can... Oh, it's, it's a laugh fest, let me tell yeah, you. it is. It's just like, you know, I do find that with, like, these kind of gynae conditions, um, it's not just one thing. It's like a whole fucking handbag full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's and, and I to be fair do not have the worst symptoms um yeah. I I do not have the excessive hair growth um which I am very grateful for I have frankly too much hair on my head if nothing else and I got a diagnosis in my late 20s and I kind of accepted acne was going to be my friend till I was older and it does mean I still get ID'd in the pub so I I see that as a win nice got to be yeah. some pluses to it and exactly. um the piece, uh, polycystic ovaries is different to polycystic ovary syndrome pcos yeah so you can have cysts on your ovaries that are just actually and they can be extremely painful yeah. um which is just where you develop a cyst on your ovary it can become very large yeah the polycystic ovary syndrome is actually it looks like little cysts but actually they're little just fluid filled sacs because yeah. what's happening what's basically happening is for most of us, um, I'm sure I don't have to explain to your listeners, but when you have your period, your ovary pops out an egg and yeah. it does its thing. My ovaries just go, pee. So I think that is, again, I'm not, not a doctor, uh, but that is from what I can tell broadly what happens. So you get lots of little um, 
sort of follicles and I can explain how weird they are to look at when we get into the story of how I got diagnosed because it still <laughs> makes me laugh um but it does end up with you just have sort of bobbly ovaries essentially yeah. like a jumper that needs that like the pilliness taken off of it yeah just need a big lint roller <laughs> yeah and like you say very common too um and n not talked about a lot um in terms I think what I tend to find happens is uh, like I have uh, endo and adeno and so that's the kind of bubble that I talk about quite a lot um, mm. which again is a one in ten uh, phenomenon and then you have the PCOS um, um, and POS kind of uh, bubble as well that talk about that kind of thing uh, and it sort of splits off into different facets of um, conditions whereas uh, what I'm trying to do with this is kind of bring it all together so we've got lots of conversations about lots of different things because so many people will resonate and like you say the the symptoms and stuff are so broad and varied and some some unfortunate folk get like the worst of everything and others mm -hmm. get it like mild but that doesn't necessarily correlate with what's going on on the inside uh, because some like for endo for example you can have because it's, it's written out in stages, you can have it at like stage four, stage five, but actually show hardly any kind of outwardly symptoms, but your insides are a big pile of mush. Um, whereas it can be the other way, you can show lots of outwardly symptoms and lots of pain, but not have too much additions on the inside. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's so broad and varied and far reaching. Um, and, yeah, and I'm I'm so open to talking about this because even in the workplace and stuff, um, because we will come on to this, but one of the main issues of PCOS is there is a real struggle to get pregnant. Um, yeah. And although I am actually quite cheerfully child-free, um, that is one of my issues. Um, just the doctors are like, yeah, it's quite unlikely to happen without a lot of outside intervention, which yeah. I'm personally quite comfortable with. But I will very much, if anybody in work's like, oh, have you have you got kids? And I'm like, nope and I'm going to tell you why in exhaustive detail yeah. so I'm very open about it because I think we should talk more about these things there's, there's no shame in it no absolutely not and you know also so uh I think I, I never really understand I don't have kids out of choice either uh and <laughs> I've never really understood the sort of small talk shit chat about do you have kids like it's such a loaded question that I just think I just wouldn't even go there with a suit of armor on to be honest and ask a woman that because and I'm so glad that you sit them down and educate them and, and I hope that that like makes people stop and think to really ask that question unless you really know the person <laughs> and there's oh, some context behind it <laughs> it's absolutely my superpower because I'm like you're never going to ask that in the office again are you Jane <laughs> so telling it's kryptonite on my mother-in-law it was the best best christmas i've ever had yeah so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant and i, I think uh, i mean for a long time i would just let people think what they thought i'd just be like oh no you know and mumble something about not having kids or you know and most people would look at me with the pitiness um, you know the, oh and the nod yeah. and everything else uh whereas now yeah own the story and it i think is is much uh better for everyone involved really and hopefully stop that question being asked because 
why do you know <laughs> it's so and it, there, are, there are so many you know men and women who really struggle if they're not able to have children and I just think no I'm absolutely quite happy to be the shield in front of you guys and stop you getting these intensive questions in the future yeah. so yeah totally although strangely uh Mark never got asked about it I did all the time <laughs> and if he was with me he'd have like my nails embedded into his knee <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. like hold me back because I am going to thump them in the face uh, <laughs> yep <laughs> so uh let so yeah you have to share the story of your diagnosis uh and it involving your MP it's oh my God. brilliant it, it was just a comedy of errors um so flashback many years ago um gosh about six years ago now I think uh I'd been on the pill since I was 18 as is quite common it was making me fairly miserable and I was like do you know what I'm going to come off the pill I'm going to examine other contraceptive choices and I'll come off the pill yeah. so I came off the pill assumed you know my period would turn up and it didn't and then it didn't and then it didn't um and then I started um peeing on a plastic stick once every two weeks because that was a concern and it kept saying that I wasn't pregnant so that was nice but I was just like well this is weird um but I just thought it was quite normal until I ended up going to a walk-in centre to deal with an, um, an ear infection um which again is a whole extra side note because trying to get an appointment at my GP is impossible it's one yeah. of the reasons I came off the pill is because it was Honestly, I think it might have been easier to get crack. In fact, actually, my bit of East London, I know for a fact it is. So I was like, no, this is fine. I, I don't need to pay. But eventually this ear infection, walk-in centre, and they said, oh, when was your last period? And I was like, oh, four months ago. And they were like, oh, have you had a test? And I'm like, yes, I've had a test. And they were like, yeah, you need to go and see your GP. That's quite bad. And I was like, oh, okay. So thus began the trial. Um, and, you know, you know every time men are like oh I've had a really hard trial I had to do a strength training I'm like mm, have you tried to get an appointment at my GPs um I tried I tried phoning them and they'd be like well well it's not an emergency so you can't get a same day one and I'm like I don't want a same day one I just want an appointment to see a GP at some point in the next month yeah. or we don't do that and I'm like well what do I do um and then I eventually managed to get an appointment with a nurse and then they phoned me back and said, oh no, this isn't something the nurse will deal with. So you're going to have to try for the GP again. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I turned up at the reception one day and just went, help me. <laughs> this has been six months now. And I was like, please help me. There is something wrong with me and I don't know what it is. I don't need to see a GP today, but I do in the next week. Can you sort this please? Um, and he just looked up at me and he went, no. I'll have to ask you to leave. So I burst into tears. Um, and then he, he shouted out, why don't you try the walk-in centre at Leytonstone, which has a family planning clinic? And I went, fine. Went, so all the same day, got on the bus to Leytonstone. Yeah. Um, and it was just more kind of, because it had just been such a faff. I was like, this is, why is this so hard? Yeah. So got to Leytonstone Family Planning Clinic, who were exceptionally nice to me, but they were like, well, we can't do anything for you either. Because, yeah. you know, we can help you if you need emergency contraception or anything, but otherwise we can't really help. So at this point, irritated and angry, I got onto Twitter and just went, can anybody recommend a half-decent GP surgery in Walthamstow before I have to put in a complaint? Yeah. And God bless my MP, Stella Creasy, who must have just had a search on for Walthamstow and happened to get in touch. And she went, are you okay? What's wrong? And actually then it was through correspondence with her office Funnily enough, 
a week later I get a phone call saying oh I believe you're trying to get an appointment we've got a booking on this day would that help and I'm like yes it would thank you (laughs) you'd have been quicker off training to be a doctor (laughs) I I swear to god um but I hadn't even thought it was something like PCOS I thought like maybe it was just ACIST or I thought maybe there was something else oh god I was was thinking is it cancer or something I had I never really heard of PCOS I didn't really know what it was and he I got to the GP and he was really not taking me seriously until I did some I'm not proud of where I went well doctor I am coming up on 30 and I do worry about my fertility and I'm not proud of this but it worked because immediately I was sent for blood tests um, and had a and those blood tests were going to be reviewed by the local gynae clinic brilliant got that sorted went to the gynae clinic um she went, oh, your hormones are a bit weird, but he should have sent you, again, this is my problem with GP, he shouldn't have sent you to us, you need a scan, so you're going to have to wait another two weeks to go to the other gynae clinic. Yeah. Um, and I went, okay. Uh, so two weeks later, fine, so this is, at this point, it has been eight months since my last period. Wow. I trundle to this other uh, clinic with the most delightfully odd consultant I've ever come across. Um, and he just he looks at my hormones and goes this is this is definitely PCOS and I'm like uh, I don't know what that is so he's explaining it to me and then he's like but we've got to do a scan uh, not one of the nice ones uh, you know that you see on the telly with the you know and they put gel on your belly oh no 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 this is a, a full-on piece of plastic up your fanny yeah so that they can see what's going on up there um, yeah yeah and it's especially when you're like oh I did not know this was coming I hadn't even tidied up the lady garden oh dear and but you know he was very it's what he does for a living and I've uh, worked as a care in nursing homes to put myself through university so to be honest my body shame and medical stuff is quite low anyway which is yeah. probably useful um and then he's he's like oh well you can diagnose yourself and he's showing me on the screen and all I can think in my head is normally if I have a piece of plastic up my floof that's vibrating very slightly and I'm looking at something on a screen it's generally not my own ovaries um (laughs) it's a very surreal thing I've had the same happen it's very surreal and I'm like yeah that normally it's two twinks going at it but not on this occasion apparently (laughs) and he's going oh you see this it's like a moon and then obviously I'm a Star Wars fan so I'm like that's no moon but um he's like yeah this is he's like yep that one's very bad oh and so is this one so uh he's so bizarrely cheerful about it it was really weird yeah he seemed so pleased because he was like oh it's really textbook and I was like go go me I think <laughs> um then, professionals do love a textbook uh diagnosis yeah he was he was very but then he sort of went, sat me down and was like right do you know what this actually means and I was like well no not really mm. and he says okay well look do, do you have any excess hair? And I was like, well, you were just down there, do I? But I was like, no, I'm fine on that. And he went, well, that's good. That probably won't develop. But you need to keep an eye on your weight because you are, once you get over a certain threshold, you are very likely to develop type 2 diabetes as a result of this. And also you'll struggle to then lose any weight. And we, my family does have a very strong history of type 2 diabetes in it. Um, yeah. So that is something I've always had to keep an eye on anyway. And then he said... Um, and you know your acne that's that's never going to go and uh you're pretty much not going to have children naturally if you've not naturally ovulated in eight months and I just kind of oh okay and then he said um and it's like also you're at a really high risk of cancer right now because what's happening is my body keeps thinking a period is coming yeah 
build up all the womb lining, but I've not had a chance to shed it. And that is not something you should be carrying around for eight months. Mm -hmm. So I was put on a course of medication to have my first period in eight months. And that was like something out of the shining. Yeah. Um, and then I had to, um, ended up after having long discussions about contraceptive choices, um, I ended up having to get a coil put in because I needed something to ensure that I wasn't having the womb lining building up. They were quite emphatic on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always very much like it's not in there for contraceptive reasons. It's very, or it's very much in there for a, an actual quite specific medical reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, and that was that. And I got home, turned off the radio and it was, why does my heart feel so sad by Moby? I had a good cry for 10 minutes and then just went, huh, that's going to make not having children easier and got over it basically and and have just been spending a lot of time educating people on it since um i'm currently undergoing great fun that it is due to be replaced in the middle of a pandemic uh hence the fact that i am on my first period in about five years at the moment um which is even more amazing (laughs) i i know like literally it's it's almost like it's waited for you Gemma. oh my god (laughs) like i know i've got strong voodoo but seriously through zoom like I'm impressed at myself here. <laughs> I know. So so five years and I'm like, oh my God, how how does any of this work? Is it moon cups now? I don't know. So I feel like a time traveller. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like a time traveller. Be like, but I need my rags and belts. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how it works anymore. Have you had to look at the instruction packet in your uh, in your tampons? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'm, I'm sat there with the pads being like, I don't know what way round they're going anymore. <laughs> It's really embarrassing. It's like I'm 12 again. <laughs> it's uh, what is the most shocking and sadly not shocking about your story is the length of time uh, it takes to be taken seriously. Uh, I mean, it's a whole other ball game not being able to get an appointment with your doctors. I mean, that is just ridiculous. Thank God for your MP. Um, but the the blaseness of oh but it doesn't matter and as soon as you mention about fertility then like oh well we'll need to get this sorted out um and that's such a big like a big thing for me with my work is that it your like your uterus and your ovaries aren't just about having kids like it's such it's got such a key part in in your whole overall health and your periods are like a sign of your overall health and it might not just be that you've got something necessarily a a gynae problem but if you're not if your periods are a little bit off it could be something to do with your digestion or your thyroid or uh your um pancreas insulin levels all of that can affect your um your periods as in so does it with uh, pcos but when it's not taken seriously by health professionals that's like ah it really pisses me off (laughs) me too I, I i was completely enraged and the bit that also really got me is um so all the correspondence from the various consultants goes back to the gp as you'd expect yeah um and i was copied in on copies of those and then the gp wrote me a note just to say what had happened did they send that to me no did they send that to my mp who then therefore got a nice long really big basically a file on what happened without my consent i might add because what because i you know it's not like i was going to my gp being like oh let me give you an update on you know the state of me nethers it was just 
I just sent to them and, and somebody, some very kind person in the office forwarded it on to me. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have received a copy from my own GP. They were wow. covering their own back by sending it to her. So you put into a complaint about your GP. In the end, I didn't bother um, because the state of the NHS, to be blunt, around hours is not great. Yeah. Um, and I looked up all other GP surgeries I could have gone to and there are no better ones yeah. as an option. And this one, at least, is nearest to my house. Um, I could write quite a long book about my terrible experiences with them, but that's true. Of, and I'm not at the hasten, I'd like to just say I'm not attacking the NHS. Uh, no. My both my parents work in the NHS. My mum, you know, in the middle of a pandemic is working with the elderly in the community. The NHS paid for everything when I was a kid because obviously that was how our house was paid for. So I'm not attacking the NHS and I am absolutely attacking the underfunding that leads to these kind of problems. Yeah, yeah totally. It's just, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Like, I mean, I worked in the NHS for a long time myself. I love it as a machine, but man alive, does it get used and abused uh, mm-hmm. and we are the ones that then suffer for it with not being able to get great service from it um but having said that um i always do uh suggest complaints because it does help in moving things forward so uh it never really feels like it's something you want to do when you've you know either got a diagnosis or you're going through trying to sort something out um but yeah making complaints are a good thing because if it helps uh, services change and evolve so um it doesn't it doesn't look as bad as maybe um you think it could we were making complaints all the time on the ward <laughs> we had a big we had a big book of complaints and we'd be like you know things didn't work or you couldn't get stock and all that kind of stuff it was always putting through complaints because then like uh you it implemented change funnily enough which is slightly backhanded but uh yeah it does work sadly you just got to make a lot of freaking noise about it um but uh yeah it that the the overriding kind of sentiment of that is that like not being listened to which I definitely hear a lot from women um when they're you know trying to get things sorted out uh and also that um you know how wonderful to have your ear um made you go to the walking clinic that someone flagged that up because otherwise we don't always we don't really talk about our periods to people and others and so your benchmark is your kind of norm uh which at that point was not having any period at all yeah and also i was getting really fed up of buying like packs of pregnancy testing kits because you can get two for a pound at uh, poundland and that was what i was embracing but i think the person at the till thought i was running some kind of like troubled youth charity or something so <laughs> but yeah just every two weeks i'll be like oh, 45 seconds awful yeah so. yeah totally um I have I have had conversations with lots of women who have varying amounts of um, advice from their GP from like, oh, that doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter that you're not having periods, but they're not on any kind of like hormones. And like you say, that build up, your body is still processing stuff and still going mm-hmm. motions, but it's not actually having the period um, and you end up with an awful lot of period stuck in your uterus which like you say is not a good thing to have there's a reason that it needs to be shed um uh, and 
having that imbalance of hormones uh yeah is part and parcel of that we need that balance mm -hmm. so it was um I said I, I do tell it in a funny way because even as it was happening I was like this is just the most ridiculous like as it just escalated I was like this is so ridiculous this is just so mad and particularly that bit when I'm there and he's like oh you can diagnose yourself and I'm like pretty sure I can't <laughs> but um I think you know, I mean, it, it is there is a serious point that it was it was far too much of a faff to go through for something that when I discovered I was like one in ten women yeah like yeah sorry what <laughs> yeah totally and also um the like blasenus about it all as well isn't it like when you're um when you're getting that kind of news it's all kind of delivered in a oh well never mind <laughs> kind of way <laughs> yeah he i said he was i think when he realized i genuinely had no idea what he was talking about the consultant was actually very kind and I, I this is a thing i'd always say is that consultant was very kind because actually did change tack a little and went to do okay look actually you do need to be aware there are some serious issues here yeah. then was probably like you know but it can be controlled etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it was certainly a a, a shock and i you know and i you know when i i said i do jokes i came home had a bit of a cry but over it but it was difficult to adjust to almost particularly because um you know they were saying oh actually you, you know, i've been on the pill since i was 18 they were like we probably developed it not that long after that yeah because just by how far forward my ovaries have gone and i just had absolutely no idea yeah so yeah and which i mean it's that's the thing when you're on the pill you're not having a period you're having a withdrawal bleed so you don't really know what's going on in your own body and I mean, I was on the pill from 16. I was on it for 10 years uh, because of awful periods and all the rest of it and as contraception and things as well. And so you have absolutely no idea what your norm is um, mm. because you just haven't had periods for long enough to know because they take a good couple of years to kind of settle and all the rest of it. So uh, yeah, we kind of lose a whole load of knowledge um, mm. about ourselves, um, which is, is kind of where there's, there's little blessing <laughs> quite a lot of curse about that really yeah uh because although you know for whatever reasons we need to to use these uh, medicines sometimes but yeah the the arbitrariness of they just put the, the the withdrawal bit in there to make us feel better but it's not actually a period at all um mm -hmm. so yeah that's why when women stop they're always kind of quite surprised about what happens because they're like this isn't how it's been for however long mm -hmm. <laughs> they've so... been walking the park <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh dear yeah so but yeah using um humor i think is a great way of combating a lot of the fiasco and and shittiness about diagnoses like this and the um like you say the fact that your mp got you an appointment and also got your follow-up letter i mean it's <laughs> absolutely terrible but having a sense of humor about that helps enormously um mm -hmm. because otherwise well you'd be screaming into your coat every five minutes <laughs> Uh, I probably still wouldn't have an appointment now. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't. You just have so, made like a peaceful protest in the reception area of your GB practice. You have tents and all sorts down there. <laughs> I'm not leaving until I get to see someone. Or stake out which your which car is your GP and just wait for them there. <laughs> just want an appointment in five to ten working days. Yeah. 
just as they unlock their car, you get in on the passenger side and say, right, I've been meaning to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here for the last three weeks. Um, so do you share any of this on stage with your, um, with your sets and stuff? Uh, yes and no. So I do talk about the fact uh, how much, you know, the reason I don't have children is I don't like children. Um, and I'm very open about that. Um, and I also do talk about the fact when I'm in a, sometimes when I'm in all female space, it doesn't work in a mixed club night. Yeah. I talk about, um, I, I make more of a joke about how relieved I am to not be able to have children. Yeah. Um, I don't talk about specific diagnoses. Um, or the diagnosis story itself just because to an extent is it's a little difficult to talk about on stage because then that makes it a little bit more difficult to separate stage me and me me because yeah, I'm yeah. very honest on stage there's like you know I don't make stuff up I'm really exaggerate it but I don't make stuff up yeah um or if I do, if I do, it's kind of bounced off a real story, but that's a bit too real. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I said I've written some stuff up about it. It's just I've just never quite got around to it because yeah. I'm I'm very much, um, you know, if I was doing my twenty minute club set or my hour long at Edinburgh, that's the dream. Um, <laughs> then I would probably have that as part of a wider show, but when you're doing five minutes and you've got to be quite snappy, it's quite difficult to story tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally so. nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hear you on that. It's, uh, it's, it, I think it's always interesting. I like, I mean, I think that's probably just me, but I like hearing about how people interpret health in a funny way. I think it's, it's quite interesting what comes out of those kind of stories for sure. Um, but uh, yeah. I look forward to your hour special on this one. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all part of the master plan. The hour special by 2023, Strictly Come Dancing by 2025. I've got it planned. Oh my God. If you get <laughs> on to Strictly Come Dancing, can you take me with you? Oh, ab absolutely. I said, that, that's, that's the career goal. Everyone might be like, oh, I want to win whatever award. And I'm like, whatever. Me, Giovanni Paniche, it's going to be great. Oh, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to be on Strictly. I really, really would. I think sometimes they ought to open that up to Joe Public. I think it would be even more fun to watch. Oh, um, that's the dream. One day. Yeah. Oh, the sequins. Oh, my I God. Know, the sequins <laughs> and the ridiculous makeup. And yeah. finally, all those tap dancing lessons as kids with useful. Yeah. Just as I long as I leave after that. Halloween, that's all I want. I don't, don't yeah. need to stay to Blackpool. Halloween's my goal. Yeah, yeah. That would be ace. That would be ace. Yeah, I, I did tap as a kid because I couldn't, I was too tall for ballet. Um, I remember being shredded by the um, dance teacher at the like age of about six or seven. Um, hey, you're never going to make a ballerina. You're far too tall. Like, even then, I remember standing there thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to be going and, you know, being ballet at the Royal Opera House. I just <laughs> want to wear a tutu. <laughs> yeah. And I never got around to doing that. I had to do tap. Not that there's anything wrong with tap. You get massively kicky shoes and that's great. But, you know. 10 years of dance lessons to try and overcome the fact that I'm not very coordinated. And the conclusion is I still can't dance. But I can clap out a rhythm like no one's business. So I am very much like Phoebe from Friends in the tap <laughs> dance arena. Uh, just doing like alternative jazz in the background. 
dancing to my own tune (laughs) I'm having a lovely time and again when I'm on Strictly that'll be really good for my interpretive dance section so it's all good I've I've got it made you'll have good (laughs) hand movements and all the rest of it it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) so my love my last question to all my guests is do you have any funny period stories now you might be able to think of these on one hand (laughs) that's yeah I'm Oh, well, if this goes against the room at the podcast, I won't name any names. So um, I was, yeah, I, I think you can understand why I'm going to say it's one of my funny period stories, even though I wasn't the one on the period at the time. <laughs> so uh, I'm very openly bisexual. And um, I, my first actual, uh, you know, real relationship was with a very lovely lady whose name I will not mention here. Um, <laughs> and um we were teenagers um the first time that we uh were intimate shall we say um she was on her period a fact she did not know at the time and uh nor did i till i went to the bathroom um which is why i have absolutely no time uh when people are like oh period sex i can't do it and i'm like babe i lost my virginity going down on a girl on her period you suck yeah I'm with you on that I don't really get the whole deal with it I'm just like yeah whatever yeah Um, exactly I I can tell you from that experience it's fine (laughs) you're still here (laughs) exactly when they're like oh it's so gross and I'm like I have literally been there and done that it isn't (laughs) (laughs) it's actually orgasms and stuff are very helpful for period cramps it was our first time I doubt that happened but you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it did. Thunderbolts and lightning the whole way. <laughs> oh, I think that's brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for being part of the uh, Lost in Menstruation family and coming to talk to us about everything that's been going on for you. Um, I hope that it's been helpful for listeners and stuff. And all of um, Colleen's links and stuff will be in the show notes so you can have a look she runs her own podcast and stuff too which is definitely worth a listen um so my love thanks so much for joining and sharing your stories it's been great thank you so much for having me this was lots of fun thank you no worries at all see you soon my love take care speak soon Bye. bye bye thanks for tuning in if you loved it feel free to leave a comment and give us a follow You can find more information on my website, thewellwomanproject.com or come find me on the grid on Insta or on my Facebook page. You can also drop me an email, gemma at thewellwomanproject.com. Any information we've shared today will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Big love, Gem.